Hello and welcome to World Enough and Time, the classic Doctor Who podcast that unites Andy and Alex despite the world that exists between them. Hello. Sorry, I didn't say hello, did I? I'll do that. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Hello, I'm Andy. Hey! Good to meet you. And who are you, love? We had some praise for our Yorkshire Cybermen, so maybe we should bring them in regularly. I think that was purely to you. You brought the Yorkshire (laughs) Cybermen, I brought the Berkshire, apparently. (laughs) Yes, bizarrely. Um, Hello. Mm. I I had a gift in the mail this week. In the the mail. That's nice. Isn't that lovely? When you get a gift in the mail. Did you get in well, the mail? I'll have you know, it was three art cards from the three best um, key to time stories. Which, if anyone's, wow. if anyone's which sat are, there, okay, the best ones. If anyone's are... sat there thinking, which are the best three? Stop listening to this podcast because <laughs> you should. Okay, I'm. I'm going to try and work out what they are now. Stones of Blood is definitely one of them. Reboss, yes. No. And there's two others. Yeah, no, it is. It's the Andrews of Tara, but purely for a... <laughs> no, not just for the... <laughs> I not care about the no. rest of it. <laughs> not just for the... <laughs> no, it's really good. good. Uh, well, correct. Those are the three. But um, you should know the three, given the conclusion to this story. But what happened was, I got these three Doctor Who art cards, which are gorgeous and will be framed in a nice white long frame. Definitely. And um, I didn't know who they were from. Because I thought I'd already had my birthday present from Yule. Because I thought I'd had alcohol. And so I thanked Greg for them. And I thanked Chris for them. <laughs> and they were like... Greg was like, I wish I had, but no. And Chris Chris was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. So, yeah. So then I contacted you as a third option. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out they were from you. I like things. The third option. <laughs> I'm glad that you already thought I'd bought you something. I had planned to buy you alcohol. Yeah. I had not. And then that came up and I thought they're rather pretty. But I got really confused because your reply to me when I said, did you send them, was, um, I was going to send you, al- yup, but I was going to send you alcohol. And I was like, I don't know what. Uh, I said, yup, no alcohol Yeah, for exactly. You. But I, th- I read that as, yeah. no, alcohol for you. So I thought you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I thought you'd sent me alcohol. And. Given the amount of alcohol that moves around this house in different ways, I was convinced that was entirely possible. So, <laughs> so right. I was still convinced that you still hadn't sent them and you'd sent me alcohol. Anyway, end of the story. Alex had sent me art cards. They are from Alex. <laughs> Let there be no confusion. <laughs> <laughs> there only was in your mind, thankfully. All listeners were quite confident exactly. they were from me. I don't know why I doubt you so much. Yeah. Rude. Yeah, I know. Gross. So many issues there. Deep, deep down. Not that deep. (laughs) So, yes, I have got a question to ask you. It's a time honoured question, and it is. Will you be watching on TV? Oh, good. Oh, good. That question. It's just, it's just there. You know, when you're like, you can remember the last show you watched, but you don't want to talk about that one. And it's the one before that you really enjoyed. Yes. It's just there. I can't remember what it was. It was really good. Shall I go first then? Yes. 
Oh, by the way, you never you never believe the amount of adverts I've seen for Maths Australia since the last episode. <laughs> and have on... you decided it's for you? No, not yet. But I'm sure if I watched it, I would enjoy it because I am that basic yes. person. But <laughs> wow. it's on E4, I think, over here, or all four, or something. I don't understand. Anyway, I was watching last night at about nine o'clock the Great Pottery Throwdown. Oh, I love that. Yes. Have you watched the latest series or not? I don't think. No, it's not here yet. Okay, so that's what we were watching, and. It's only because I was watching The Great Pottery Throwdown that I suddenly remembered that we were recording today for The Ultimate Foe. Oh, really? Because it's actually filmed at the Gladstone Pottery Museum. I actually had to see the set of The Ultimate Foe. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be here on my Todd. (laughs) You would have been on your own, love. (laughs) Anyway. Well, that's fortuitous. Last night they were building animals, clay animals... And they were all brilliant, apart from this one of this ferret with a jar of peanut butter, which was so laughable, it was hilarious. Oh, it was so funny. When you get to that episode, it's just worth watching it for that, because it's just dreadful. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to be really basic, because I can't remember the one before, which was really good. Mm. Um, so I, I watched The Night Agent. I felt like a bad human. Um, I, I, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it's just, it is. Every now and again, like, what do I call it? Netflix just puts a tiny bit more money into a series and then makes everyone watch it. Says, this is the most important thing that anyone's ever watching at the moment. This is number one in your country, number one in the world. You have to watch it. And I feel like I'm being pushed down a route. I feel angry at the fact that I'm doing it. But I also know that it's something I'll probably get a minutiae of joy from. And I got some joy from it. It was fine. Absolutely fine. But that's about it. Um, you don't want fine. You want better than fine, don't no, you? I know. Um, so yeah, so I feel sad for bringing that to the table. There was definitely something better just on on the edge. It's going to come to mm. me at some point. You'll be very excited. I will. I'll I'll be on the edge of my seat until that Good. moment. One day soon, I might actually prepare a quiz. <laughs> Good. We're really looking forward for that day. It's it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Have you got a quiz at your fingertips? I so have. I've got all of the quizzes. I don't know if we've done this before. Okay, can we first of all say, it's time for a quiz. Quiz! Quiz! It's a quiz. Right, good. Um, This is the fun bit. Can you please keep this bit in? I know you always say, like, in these bits, you're like, oh, we'll cut this bit out. And then, then I listen to myself just thinking when, when I re-listen to the podcast. I'm like, fuck no, I, I, do cut I do cut loads out. I do cut loads out this bit, usually. Actually. <laughs> um, right. Um, companions of the Second Doctor. Do you think we've done that one? I don't. Okay. What is Ben's nickname for Polly? Duchess. Correct. Which doctor adopts the alias Dr. James McCrimmon? Which doctor, did you say? Yes, this must be a Nuhu thing. Nuhu. Oh. <laughs> Listen to Mummy's silly voice saying Nuhu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's Matt Smith, but I've, I've lost count of doctor numbers I'm at this point. I'm so there with you. Um, <laughs> so I don't think that was right, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what number doctors are anymore? I have no clue. No. I couldn't tell you. But it could <laughs> be like, like if anyone yeah. got that wrong, you'd be like, how could you not know that? It's mad, but now, know? impossible to know. 
<laughs> I know exactly. They could be the seventeenth doctor. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I believe you. You would crack. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because impossibly, David Tennant is now the tenth and the fourteenth. Yeah, very. That's old. too no. Sorry. And so. What's happening with that? Has that hasn't aired or anything? What's happening with that? I, I, I always worry that I've missed something important. <laughs> well, I've missed what? about fucking, this fucking, is this... fucking, fucking, fucking. What? Jinx Monsoon! Nobody fucking <gasps> told me! You oh dick. my god! I, t- I told, um. I told Marissa. Everyone I told, else, apparently. I told. I, I made Ryan not, not listen to his. No, Ryan hadn't seen it on the WhatsApp when I sent a message to him. On the WhatsApp. Before, on, the, on, the, on the WhatsApp. Let's <laughs> get me walking frame out. On the WhatsApp. <laughs> nice. Apparently, I'll be Yorkshire. I'll speak Yorkshire when I'm older. <laughs> on the WhatsApp, I sent a message saying, Jinx Monsoon's going to be in Doctor Who. But he hadn't seen the message because he was driving. So when he got back, I like, basically leapt out of the house and said, Right! There's an important thing that you don't know. Don't look at your phone. <laughs> when he got back, and he's like, what? I was like, it's the best Doctor Who casting announcement ever. He's like, what? And I'm like, there's going to be a regular in the new series, and you'll know guess who it is. And I was so excited. Um, and he went through all of... He did go to drag immediately, which is great. Good. But, but he kept saying, like, Lawrence Cheney. And I'm like, I wouldn't well, be excited thinking about UK, that. You'd assume UK, I think. Yes. Yeah, but eventually we got there, and he agreed it was exciting, but probably not as exciting as this mad loon leaning into his car <laughs> before he'd even got his seatbelt off to make him tell me who is it. Aww. But it's brilliant news. So, so I, happy. I didn't. I don't remember whether I really enjoyed Jinx Monsoon. Like I remember her, what? but like I don't know. If <laughs> Sorry. Okay, this has been a lovely podcast. But now it ends. <laughs> okay, who Bye! was against in her season? <laughs> Clicks leave. Clicks leave. It's only the most classic season of Drag Race in the history of Drag Race. It's the mm. one where she beats Alaska Tox. She beats Alaska and... Um, oh, I think that might be the season I haven't seen. It's the best season of all time. Oh, yes, no, I definitely haven't seen Alaska. Oh, my God. Alaska's yes, like one of my favourites. Because Alaska was oh, my Lord. the boyfriend of the one in the season before. Yeah, Sharon Needles. Sharon it's, Needles, and yes, I remember... season five. It's the best series. Okay. Can you please watch season five of Drag Race and report back forthwith? Don't <laughs> It's such the best season. Okay. The story arc of it is just the... Ah! Really? Okay. I'm excited. I'm Jinx Monsoon, internationally tolerated drag queen superstar. I won season five of RuPaul's Drag Race. Get ready, bitches, because it's monsoon season. So you're excited and you love Jinx Monsoon more than anyone. Yeah, I can't remember how we got onto this, but yes. Thrill! I, I brought it up. <laughs> but the brilliant thing is, someone tweeted, this is perfectly correct, Scribble Script, I think they call and um, said, this is a big day for Doctor Who fandom. Not only do we have Jinx Monsoon starring in the new series of Doctor Who, but now all of the Jinx Monsoon reaction gifts are now, they now belong to us. <laughs> Yes. So we can use them as Doctor Who fans. It's like, yes, correct. That's I how I find, the... out, find out that it's bloody Jinx Monsoon, because I saw the tweet. Ah, uh, what, my see? tweet? 
yours well your your fact that i think you re- retweeted it or you responded yeah and so yes that's what i saw you see so you told me indirectly turd brain oh. i think you were probably about sixth on my list of people to tell <laughs> honestly don't doubt it right can you shut the fuck up um, why according to the daleks was jamie chosen for the human factor tests because he was a dumb bitch I mean, it probably won't be in so many words in the Doctor Who quiz book. <laughs> no, that's kind of not what they said at all. You, do, you want to go on the... <laughs> Sorry? He's strong. He's strong. Him travelling with the Doctor has made him unique. See? Mm. What's that even in? Evil of the Daleks. Oh, I thought you someone. Illusions of... You can't of watch his... it. Well, you can watch the animation, but it I doesn't exist. I can watch the animation. Um, <laughs> illusions of which of his companions does the second Doctor encounter in the Death Zone? Jamie and Zoe. Good. Doctor shows Zoe through patterns, no, thought patterns, featuring which through monster patterns. to make sure she wants to join the TARDIS crew? Through patterns. Through patterns, yeah. Through patterns. <laughs> through the art of patterns. <laughs> Would you like to... Bizarrely, he shows the whole story of Evil of the Daleks. I don't quite understand how he does it, but that's how he does. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, what was the name of Jamie's father? Um, Mr. McCrimmon? Yes. <laughs> There's more. Mr. I want to say Donald, but I'm making that up. Okay, oh, say it. James Arthur McCrimmon. Donald. <laughs> Donald Rezitruzis. <laughs> Donald Arthur James McCrimmon. <laughs> of the clan McCrimmon. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Donald Arthur James McCrimmon. <laughs> so it is. I don't know why he's Irish now. No, I know. Fuck off. Fuck off my time. <laughs> How many of our listeners are you trying to offend right now? I know all of them, apparently. <laughs> How are you today? Hi, are you? Hi, are you today? No, I'm Ty. <laughs> did you get that? That you got it right? I didn't. It was Donald. <laughs> Donald it was Not Donald, Donald James Arthur, but Donald. We don't know his middle names. They may have been there. Yes, I feel it was likely. I can't believe I got that correct because I made that up. <laughs> I kept trying to tell you that it right and you just kept trying to go Northern Irish on me it was fun <laughs> just before the TARDIS lands near an extinct volcano where and when does Polly hope they will land Ooh. oh is that in Underwater Menace or am I making stuff up yeah I think so so is it where have they actually landed no where does she want to land I think she says just before that I really hope we land it She'd probably say something dull like Brighton. Um, it is dull. Chelsea, nineteen sixty-six. Oh, okay. Um, what name is used by? I suppose she wanted some fab new fashions. Yes. Fashions. What name is used by Polly's chameleon double? I can never remember this one. Oh. Oh yes, that's a good one. She's Swiss, I remember that. <laughs> With the most posh English accent of anyone yes. ever. Yes. <laughs> Not a hint of fucking French either. <laughs> oh, 
Can you give me the first letter? Of, of her first name? Clearly the first name doesn't help. <laughs> okay. Of her first name. <laughs> M. M. Do you wait? Do you know when you play categories and you have the alphabetic starts? Alphabetic yeah. starts. I don't know. <laughs> the letter of the alphabet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm there. I'm with you. <laughs> and you go in your head as if it's gonna help. It really doesn't ever. The hardest letter in categories. Can we just pause proceedings just um, to agree? You've told hardest... me this so many times. I forget what it is every time. It's something really obscure. It's like it's... N or something. Yes, it is N. <laughs> Thank you. It is N. It's the hardest letter. People don't seem to know this, and I need to tell everyone whenever Good. it comes up. I feel like it helped me. At least it stayed in my brain this time. Remember, guys, it's N. Just don't mm. let him say this again. <laughs> <laughs> you try and think of a country stop. beginning with N. Okay, Nigeria. Animal, narwhal. I think because I've, <laughs> I've started to You've done the revision. <laughs> Net Newman for any famous person. <laughs> food. Come on, what's the food? <laughs> food. Nutella. <laughs> I want a bird next. Um, bird. Uh, <laughs> see, now I'm going nun, 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 <laughs> Natach. <laughs> you are amazing. Right. <laughs> Polly. I'm really going. I feel like I have to sort of dig back through rock to try and work out where we were last. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Polly's name. M. Wow. I need to get this without you telling me because oh, I should just know it. <laughs> and the surname begins with the L. So, I'm um, yeah, putting it out there. I feel like Lopez is the surname. No. No. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> 100% a million dollars no. Okay. That's what the name they always gave to Polly in, in books that was wrong. Polly Lopez. Liars. Um, oh, Michelle. Good. Michelle. It's a, it's a weird sort of French name, isn't it? Very fucking stupid. Like, it's not actually anyone's name ever. No, <laughs> no. That's it? What was it then? Loopy. Loopy? Loopy. L-E-U-P-P-I. Michelle Loopy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never got that. No. I'm amazed I got Michelle. That's amazing. Yeah, you did very well. Very Thank well. Thank you. Um, what lovely pudding does Victoria tell Griffin she used to have at home? Who's Griffin? He was the cook in Enemy of the World. Spotted Dick? I think it's similar, but it's not that. Oh. Um, Victoria's sponge pudding. <laughs> summer, Kaiser summer pudding. pudding. Kaiser pudding, I should have got that. I'm annoyed you fucking should. Right, one more. When Jamie first sees the Cybermen, what does he think it is? The the Phantom Piper. Good! Nice! Thank I you. think you've got most of those. Correct. So we've got one, two, three wrong. Yeah. Good job. Okay. Right, oh, we're done now. See ya! See ya! <laughs> wow! 
You're like trying to get on. Let's get through it. And I'm like, I'm the most tangential mood ever. <laughs> Nobody actually wants to get onto the business of the day, which is the ultimate poo. Though, yeah, no, 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 that's the real reason. Yeah. Um. Now, what's been going on? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. She's absolute centre of Gox Hill community now. I'm sure. She's been away, but yeah. she came. She came back. And you know how, like, when they, people go on holidays in the movies in the 70s to Spain and they come back with the straw sort of donkey and the big yeah. sombrero hats? Fully, yeah. She came back like that. So it's like she went to Spain in the 70s and I can't work it out. Well, she, maybe she did. She could have done. Maybe that time-travelling ability rubbed off on her. It could have done. She can do anything, Louise Jameson. <laughs> so I popped my head in the door and there was, like, there was like fans and terrible plastic Spanish dancers and just nice. everywhere. She's gone full full on Spain in the seventies, full on yeah. Costa. Mm. So I, you tell me what's going on there. I have no idea. I don't think I can. Um, <laughs> but good. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the original idea. <laughs> I'm relieved. <laughs> I'll tell you whose fault this is. It's Ryan's fault. Because he mentioned dog grooming, which is far too close to the Shih Tzu massage we yeah. had. And I was like, we can't have dog grooming. But he went, I was telling you so much. Shih Tzu massage, <laughs> let's be honest. All of it was so very wrong. And I was like, well, I talked to him about that just before I went to bed. And because he mentioned that, I completely forgot my idea, which was really good. That Ryan, he's such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we hear from our sponsor? Could very, we? very lovely Louise Jameson. You're listening to World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast. So we can't put it off any longer, Alex. <laughs> and to be quite honest, I can't flipping wait to hear your synopsis for the story, <laughs> <laughs> which you'd forgotten you had to do. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. We are. Covering in this episode of the podcast, episodes 13 and 14 of The Trial of a Time Lord, commonly, popularly even known, popularly, I doubt, <laughs> as the ultimate foe. So that's where he got to. So why is the master helping me? Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll find out. I'm off. Well, come on. I want you to meet my darker side. I've done my bit. Just pop in and say hello. You'll be perfectly safe. What's going on? <gasps> wow, this is exciting. Tell me about your relationship with the ultimate phone. Um, I do think I remember watching Trial of a Time Lord as a kid. I do think I remember the excitement. Like when the um, credits came up, I was feeling... <laughs> Sorry? excitement <laughs> oh yeah because it was doctor who like we had so little doctor who that every bit of doctor who we were excited for but there was yeah but even but i died inside all the way through that series as i was watching it but you've got to remember that it, it was all just flashes of colors and that shit for me like i wasn't really yeah like there was no so. thread i was kind of getting hold of i think i recognized linda bellingham off the oxo ads even then um so i've been quite <laughs> pleased about that um, yeah, those kind of basic things that make that make a child happy. Um, so yeah, no, I I think I do remember it um, first time around, which is unusual. And yeah, it's 
one of them, one of the Trial of the Time Lord one episodes, of but like, I, yeah, like there's nothing that could distinguish this from another. Um, but I, you know, I probably would have remembered the master because I was pretty much in love with the master from oh, you were, a very young you? age, that, really into yes. him. Yeah. 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 So, so that. I think for me, I was just like, I was kind of getting to the point where I was thinking, is Doctor Who ever going to be any good? I mean, I quite liked Terror of the Vervoids at the time, but I mean, we recovered it a few months ago, actually, probably about a year ago now. And we thought it was a pile of poo, didn't we? Yeah. Quite honestly, it was. It was yeah. Mainly because of the writing of Pip and Jane Baker. And of course, this is Pip and Jane Baker too. Hooray! Uh, honestly, honestly, I just got so angry with them. But anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that, darling. So, what we're all waiting for. It feels like the universe is just sitting, waiting for this next moment. Like every atom, every molecule is waiting for this moment. And this moment is... Hearing Alex give us the synopsis for the ultimate foe. Take it away, right. sis, sis. <sighs> right, I, feel, I actually feel quite stressed now. I really have a lot to, to try and get my head around. Okay, so what happens is... I don't even know how it started. <laughs> okay, there's some people milling around. That was it, milling. There was some milling around in gowns. Um, bit of a... <laughs> Bit of a court scene. Love it. It's always a good then, way to start a story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I find milling just kind of gets you really into the mood. You're like, oh my god, I must see more. There could be more milling later. Um, and yeah, and then we see a bit of special effects of Mel and Glitz being zapped down to um, Gallifrey to be part of the, the shit, the shiz that's going on. We see Linda Bellingham with a doily on her head. Um, okay, and then, oh, so, so we find out we're, we're there, the Doctor is in his trial, he's being tried by um, Linda Bellingham, what's she called in this? The Inquisitor. The Inquisitor, yeah. Um, and the Valiard <laughs> is the prosecutor. Who is he? Don't know, could be anyone. Um, and then, not long into it, the Master turns up. And he confuses everyone. Now, what he does is he says, you can't have this trial like this because the man over there is also the doctor. He's just a later incarnation. He's only doing this so he can get more incarnations because that will work. And, and the doctor says lots of silly words that end in yard and then has a go at Mel for the shit she says and you're like, fuck off, you're talking absolute gobshite the whole time. Anyway, um, they, because they find that the master's in the matrix, they realize that the matrix could be tampered with. <gasps> James Bree, um, flower that, God, this must have been an absolute all-time low for him. Um, he takes... <laughs> I love how your most emotional response is to Jamie <laughs> putting up with being in this story. I really felt awful for him. Um, yeah, so they decide that yeah that they're going to let the Doctor in to... Oh no, Valiod runs out with a swish of cloakiness um, and they're going to let the Doctor chase after him. I went through the seventh door, for fuck's sake. The seventh door, don't you know? Um... 
Doctor needs to go and chase after him and then he pulls Glitz along for no fucking reason. So he ends up in the Matrix, does some stuff in Cockney London, but it's not really Cockney London and there's some hands. Um, and then after we have stuff with hands going on, um, we have like this fake trial within the Matrix where fake Mel comes out and says, Okay, Doctor, we need to sort this out. We need to clear your name. Let's go to the trial. And deep down, the Doctor knows this is a fake trial. But Mel's a bit worried because Mel's watching from the real courtroom. And so she goes there and tries to fix it all for him. And she goes in and he's like, no, you shouldn't have done that because I had a plan anyway. Because all I want to do is do a thing. And then she's like, okay, I'm sorry. And the thing didn't happen. But then... What was it anyway? Um, <laughs> things happen with the Master and Glitz. They they kind of hook up. I think they actually want to stop the... They, they prefer to kill, to stop the Valyard, because the Master would really like the pleasure of killing the Doctor himself. Such a lame reason. Just so unbelievably stupid. It was just with no conviction whatsoever. Um, so... Oh. This, is, this is the first ever synopsis where you critique the story whilst giving the I'm synopsis. Sorry. I really didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I've actually got probably nothing to say after this. I'll stop now. Um, no. Um, and so... <laughs> I've just come across the sentence, a whole lot of don't care. <laughs> um, so he um, wants to see the Valyard, so he fucks around in the fun factory or whatever the hell that is. And there's no, it's just a sign that says fun factory. There is no fun factory. I'm like, if, if you give me a fun factory, that'd be fucking something, something better than we've got here. Um, and then Mr. Popplewick has a quill and has a face that crumbles off and and then he oh he's got a megabyte modem and if you do the things with the megabyte modem then that will kill the people in the courtroom okay don't do the thing okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but I think someone accidentally did the thing, but I don't know how they did it. Um, and, and, then, and then Mel has like hours to go and fucking tell the people in the courtroom, run, there's a thing, and it might kill you. And they all they go, oh, okay, we'll leave now. And then like 10 minutes later, the thing fucking blows, and they're still there. They were just fucking pissed. They're just, they've got a head down, like, oh, that'll do it. Yeah. It's like their, their feet were glued to the floor. <laughs> They're just fucking staying there like absolute goons. Anyway, um, got the head That's down. how you avoid an explosion. You just go, oh, yeah. oh, it's now. Um, All safe. But don't worry, even though we were going to keep going with the trial earlier, even though everything was really fucked up. We're now not going to go ahead with the trial. And it's fine, you can be the president if you want to be. Um, oh, oh, I don't think so. Uh, and then... And then... And then I've got another one here. None of this makes any sense. And then... And then... The keeper, as he turns to camera, 
not the keeper anymore, it's the Valiard. They'll never work that out. Fucking Inquisitor will just go, oh yeah, James Bree's just got a slightly different face now. It's fine. Um, and then they go and do the funny joke about carrot juice and an exerciser, and it's so fun. And the doctor carries on. Oh, but don't worry, Perry didn't die, she's a queen. All good. Um, the end! <laughs> I've got two things to say. Number one, incalculably, this is not the worst story of the season. <laughs> so that is mind warp. The second thing I'm wow. going to say is that I once recorded an utterly, indescribably shit Doctor Who taped story with my friend Eric Nesbitt, where I played Perry and the Doctor and he played the Master. And it was still better than the ultimate final. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, I wish of... that you still had that. You and Eric. That would have been great. Honestly, this is just... I've always already used the word indescribable, but indescribably bad, isn't it? Yeah. It's like... Well, shall I tell you the story about what happened to get to this point so you understand a Could bit you? of Could the... Could you please? Yeah. So... This was originally meant to be scripts written by Robert Holmes, the Robert Holmes of Pyramids. Yeah, no, Pyramids it said of... at the start Robert Holmes. Okay, right. But in the end, none of it was written by him. Um, I don't think... He was originally scheduled to write episodes 13 and 14. He only wrote episode 13, and then Eric Sayward, the script editor, had to take over because Robert Holmes fell ill. Uh. Um, and he died, actually, during production, well, oh. before it got to production, yeah. And <coughs> Eric wrote episode 13 based on Robert Holmes' script, but then Eric decided, oh, I fucking hate Doctor Who now, I wish I wasn't involved, I hate how it's run, I hate everything about it, so he resigned. So then he wanted to withdraw episode 13, but he couldn't because it was during his time script as, so they kept his episode 13, and then John Nathan Turner got Pip and Jane Baker in because they were his reliable writers to write episode 14 that couldn't be based on Eric Sayward's scripts at all because legally he'd left the series and said you can't do anything but he had to give his episode 13 in. so he got them in to write episode 14 not knowing so how Eric Sayward had planned to finish it. they had to, to completely it. deviate from everything that had been laid down in episode yeah. 13. This yes. is fucking ludicrous. Yes, isn't it? Wow. But what is bizarre is... Um, that there is an episode 14 that's out there, Eric Sayward's, and it's actually worse than the episode 14 we got. Wow. I mean, I don't doubt it. I bet just everyone died, but it was with some kind of a gun scenario. <laughs> exactly, because it's Eric Sayward, so everyone just dies pointlessly. Exactly. Yeah. That. So, yeah, and in fact, in that one, the Doctor and the Master die at the end, or the Doctor dies nice. in this, with the Valiard. No, the Doctor and the Valiard die, and it was like meant to be like, oh, this could be the end of Doctor Who forever. And John Nathan Turner was like, no, we're not doing that, because then the BBC have got a a good reason yeah. never to really can be like, oh yeah you did the end so no yeah. need yeah anyway there's still no excuse for this utter build is no. there but no but let, let's go through it because I've got notes I've got <laughs> notes I've got a couple not many <laughs> I'm just checking James Bree is the security chief isn't he yes I kept thinking <laughs> that to myself a few times like, is this really you <laughs> I know <laughs> I think because I've just seen him as Gaston Colbert, Lisa's yeah. dad, in Secret Army. I, I think as Gaston, he's 
so good. Like he's just oh, so deep and careful and like oh. this he's so believable. But like I actually I was really questioning with James Bree, like, is it that when scripts are so bad you actually can't act anymore? Is that the thing? Because he's he's pretty wooden in this, but I don't blame him because I know he's a good actor. Is it at all possible for the data stored within the matrix to be tampered with in any way? Quite impossible, my lady. No one may enter the Matrix without the key of Rassilon. And by whom may the key be used? Qualified people for inspection once in a millennium, perhaps, to replace a transductor. The keys can be copied, you'll agree. The key of Rassilon never leaves my possession. Except when it's in the hands of those qualified people. This is a ridiculous allegation, my lady. The doctor is challenging the evidence of the Matrix on the grounds that it has been tampered with. A charge that he is totally unable to substantiate. That is accepted. I think this is just a pantomime. I think it's impossible not to... I mean, his tripping up of Mel every now and then was hilarious. Like, the first time it happened, it was like, okay. And then the second time he tries to do the same trick again... I know! Like, what the fuck was that about? And then he just had a little cheeky grin on his face. Like, like, he knew it wouldn't really work, but he'd give it a crack. It was bizarre. Was yeah. Anyway. Um... I mean, the first thing to say is, or the boredom of that courtroom, we've been 12 episodes at this point of coming back to this courtroom where just people are just speaking in a room endlessly. But and... speaking with Pip and Jane Baker's words, which is the worst yes. hell known to man, let's just <laughs> say lots of words that we don't actually understand and put them all together and say, aren't we clever? Oh my God, it was awful. <laughs> really, angry making awful. I just looked over at Ryan at this point to say, what is his first reaction to... This is the first part of Trial of a Time Lord he'd never seen. I did kind of tell him what had happened in the previous three stories, but very briefly. But he seemed quite engaged, and I'm like, this is this won't last. Because <laughs> I was just so... I was instantaneously furious at being in the courtroom. <laughs> and I don't think he'd ever seen me react to Doctor Who like that. Because usually I'm kind of like, oh, we're watching Doctor Who. Are you, you going to enjoy it? Sort of thing. And he was like... And he really hates this even before we started and he's in a really angry mood immediately. So it's just completely different to any other Doctor yeah. Who mode he'd seen me in. Yeah, um, it's true, isn't it, how much it <coughs> brings you down. Just the thought of it is just yeah. awful. So Mel and Glitz arriving with a nice special effect. Mm-hmm. Of the, 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 but they look like they're in coffins, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Oh, this is, the, that. this is the book cover. book cover. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why on earth is he there? Mr. Popplewick, or is he oh. J.J. Chambers? Oh, I don't remember. No, he's Popplewick. Yeah, isn't don't he? even... Yeah. But but this book is pristine. I wonder yeah. why. <laughs> Unopened. <laughs> Unopened, ultimate photo. Do, do you book. happen to know, if, does anyone make sense of it in that? Or you don't you have no well, idea? Well, it's Pip and Jane Baker, so I doubt oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> God, imagine reading their shit. It's hard enough to hear of it, reading it as well. I bet it's wordier. It has to be wordier. Oh, yeah. They'll have just Let's put loads what... of words just all together without thinking. Oh, here we go. I'll start with the prologue. The charge must now be genocide. Genocide? The doctor's face blanched, contrasting with his colourful patchwork coat. Fuck off, Pip and Jane Baker. Oh, awful people. <laughs> awful. Anyway. Um, um, yeah. That's the first time that book's ever had any words read out. Um, so, they arrive... Yeah. And immediately we get crap. No, but is this a Pip and Jane or is it Robert Holmes dialogue? Uh, yeah, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Eric they would have used Pip and Jane's dialogue a little bit. No, but I think it... episode 13's 
Eric Sayward. Oh, I don't I know. know. I know you're right. It definitely because I noticed Pip and Jane isn't it's, in it's that Mel first line is that that line is to glitz. Um, who are you? Uh, as a matter of total disinterest, who are you? What? Who speaks like that? It's like you've just been transported by this coffin thing from goodness knows where, and you're you don't care who this person is. Why don't you care? Who speaks like that? Is this Doctor Who of this period? People speak with sentences that no one would ever ever say. Dibber, what's happened to your voice, lad? I'm not Dibber. Neither am I a lad. What's more, there's nothing wrong with my voice. As a matter of total disinterest, who are you? Oh, Sabalom Glitz. And you? Melanie, known as Mel. Are they all like you here? I don't know. Should we go and find out? <laughs> but also have an absolute disinterest in anyone around them. Like, there's yeah. no kind of kindness or humanity in this era of Doctor Who. It's all, like, about just looking after yourself and being a complete ass. Like, there's no kindness in there. Like, Sablon really epitomises the kind of the Doctor Who of that day. It was just all yeah, very much, totally. like, out for yourself. Just nobody really cares, apart from Mel, who's just an insipid weirdo who nobody really likes. Like, I don't, I don't think you're but, supposed to even like her. But I've got a question for you. I've got lots of questions. Mm. Where is Mel coming from in this moment? Oh, don't you know? And is oh. Terror of the Vervoids in the future? Because I think it's meant to be in the future, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Because Mysterious Planet is from the past. Mm. Mind Warp is meant to be vaguely contemporaneous. Mm. And Terror of the Vervoids is meant to be a story from his future that proves that he's okay. Yeah. Because he hasn't yet met Mel yeah. when that courtroom drama happens. So yeah. where is Mel from now? Because mm-hmm. she knows the Doctor. Yeah. Has she been sent from the future? Peas pottage. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say peas pottage. <laughs> you felt like you really wanted an answer. <laughs> I couldn't give you one. <laughs> I think the problem is, to try and actually make sense of this, you have to care. And I don't care. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> I don't... No, I, I think that, that sentence is wrong. I think to... No one is actually supposed to make sense of this. No one's actually supposed to get deep into it. I think they want you to gloss over the events and just have a general feeling. As a result. And I think they want you to have a feeling of, oh, good, the Doctor's okay again. Like, I don't think that they want you to dig into it in any way okay. because that's okay. not, that isn't feasible. Yeah. So the Master turns up. I love the line he has where he's been watching the trial with great interest. Because I was thinking, you're the only one, mate. (laughs) (laughs) No one has been watching this trial with great interest. (laughs) When Um, when he turns up and the doctor kind of turns to one side and goes, oh no, now I really am finished. You almost want him to like bite his knuckle and go, (sighs) it's just awful. It's just so, oh God, you do not give a shit. But... But all those people who are now Mel fans, like modern fandom says that Mel's brilliant. <laughs> it's like, and the old fans, that's us, by the way, we're the old fans who think she's indescribably bad. I just need to tell them to listen to that line about... But not from me. I'm as truthful, honest, and about as boring as they come. This is all overpronounced, and it's just every line here she overpronounces in a way that just makes me want to hurl. 
But mind you, when when the doctor starts to attack back and he's doing all his rail yeah. yard stackyard shit, and she goes, "That's it, Doc." And then he has a go. Now you're getting to the dirt. Yeah, and then he has a go at her saying, oh, like he's embarrassed by the way she talks. And I'm like, what the fuck? How are you disgusted with the way she talks? All the shit you've just been talking about for the last 10 minutes. You should be apologising to everyone with your shitty fucking puns. It was awful. Just like, I I was quite relieved to hear her speak, to be honest, because at least she wasn't a pompous little shit. Everyone else was vile. So the, the Inquisitor is bizarre because she kind of just... She's intent on running the courtroom like it's like, like her life depends on it. She's mm. mad. She's actually utterly mad, I think. <laughs> she, she will pursue a verdict regardless of what's going on around yeah, her. Yeah, at that point, absolutely no way with the doctor getting out of it. Definitely needed a trial. Definitely doesn't matter that actually is being prosecuted by the same fucking human child. No, we carry on! This <laughs> <laughs> is insane! <laughs> Oh, but suddenly, next fucking minute, oh, yeah, do you want to be President Gordon? Like, it just <laughs> mental. She's the mentalist. And the fact that the Doctor even suggests she should be Lord President. No, she should be locked up. <laughs> she's She's got an obsession with legality and with, with courtrooms that's almost uh, like bordering on the sexually perverse. <laughs> it's just, it's insane, her intent. Madam, this revelation should halt this trial immediately. Surely even Gallifreyan law must acknowledge that the same person cannot be both prosecutor and defendant. The single purpose of this trial is to determine the defender's guilt or otherwise on the basis of the evidence that has been presented. Anything else is for the moment irrelevant. What? And I'd only seen that insanity for two episodes. Like, if we'd have had 14 episodes of her relentlessly pursuing that stuff, like, that is mad. That is fully mad. She's absolutely... She is the craziest person in this story, let me tell you. (laughs) The Inquisitor, she's absolutely barking. At one point, this this is really funny, because Ryan interrupted at this point. He was still engaged at this point, (laughs) in episode 13. And he said, hang on, but surely if the Master is in the Matrix, that proves that the Matrix isn't safe. And yeah. it can be tampered Instantly. with. Instantly. And I just turned to him and said, yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? But I just <laughs> loved how he was still engaged at this point. Bless him. But it's like you say, it doesn't matter at this point. Because she will still continue with the trial regardless. It doesn't matter, Doctor. We think you're still guilty of genocide or whatever. Fuck off. But it did. It felt like she was the almost the voice of the Doctor Who production team. It was almost like, we have to continue, we've got to keep doing it, we've got to keep doing this fucking thing. We've got to... Okay, now the end. Any reason why? No, we just, we've just got 14 episodes. Just say it's all done now. You're not, you're not in trouble anymore. Like, that was how it felt like it was being done. Like, it was just... Yeah. Any reason? No. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about the sleepers of Ravelox. Good. <laughs> she gave me a look to say the what of what? And I heard about them. I had no fucking idea. But yeah, good. So even then, I remember being, okay, that was weeks ago. I have no idea what this is about. But it's all about the fact that Ravelox is the mysterious planet. And in fact, the mysterious planet is Earth. And it's been moved there by the Time Lords. But you don't find this out until like a full eight episodes later that it's there because the Time Lords, the High Council, have moved Earth to this place in order to get the secrets that the sleepers had been stealing from the Matrix. We don't understand. We never saw. The sleepers stealing from the Matrix happens off screen. 
We never know anything about this. So we don't so have to off... the sleepers? No! I don't think so. Oh my god! No, exactly. Oh, I thought there was like a whole four episode about the fucking sleepers. Well, yeah, it relates to them, but I don't think we ever see them in the Mysterious Planet. And if anyone's there saying, I think you'll find that you do, then I don't care because it was in, in dialogue even in that story that I don't remember. Right. But these secrets as well, they're not on a little bit of little... Are they on a little sort of flash drive, these secrets? Are they on a little floppy disk even? What are these secrets on? This giant whacking great thing that looks like a suitcase. The thing that, Where? I that... didn't even see that. What was that in? This is this prop that the master ended up with in the end. He actually plugs it into his console in the end. It's this giant big box that had the secrets in it. Did you miss that? Uh, only. <laughs> it was about the size of a small suitcase, and that's what all the secrets were on. Well, mind but... you, if you're fucking megabyte modem or something looks like <laughs> your big fucking light bulbs out the side then it kind of makes sense uh, Ryan was like so if this is a megabyte modem maybe maybe the Valyard was trying to send an email yeah. <laughs> that was his, his plan just one email with an attachment with yeah. the secrets yeah it all went horribly yes. wrong it looks like you're trying to send an email unfortunately you don't have enough megabytes to do so <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> he looks so ill. I'm just, like, what can there be? Okay, you know what? I think we could do dress for success. I, I've got some shit to say. Okay, that's probably okay, good, 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 I've got pages more of stuff to read. <laughs> good, pages. good, 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 good. I'm gonna get Okay, um, tell me. Dress for success. Who's dressed for success? Anyone? Yes! Mel's outfit I fucking love. Absolutely, 100% love. That is the kind of outfit that you and I used to draw when we would draw like our ideal companion outfit. That shit was <laughs> happening. We used to draw that shit a lot. Like it was a good, like solid colour, so you could do it with one crayon as well. But like it was. <laughs> 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 but honestly, I just li- basically always just draw a shift dress, wouldn't I? Usually, no. You Didn't I? Some, you are. Don't you do yourself down? You oh, did really? a really lovely bla- a pinstripe blazer for one person. It was beautiful, and a good pair of knee high boots here and there. Oh, you just some <laughs> lovely outfits. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a a lime and lemon striped pinstripe blazer. Oh, it was fucking beautiful. If that had come to life, I'd have worn it in a heartbeat. It was absolutely stunning. You, I think you did it for... It was either Nissa or for Perry. It, oh, it was I think lovely. it was for Perry because I think it was based on a costume from the Mysterious Planet. I don't think oh. I've got... No, I don't think I've got creative rights over that. Oh, I need to see that now. I see what the actual reality of that was. Oh, it was stunning. You have a look, look at it now. Look at the Mysterious Planet, Perry. I love how I'm telling you how to search Google then. Did you know? <laughs> like, you don't know how to do it. Fucking hell. How rude is that? No, I can't fucking find it though. Oh, oh, yeah, it was. Oh, but yours See? is nicer. Was it? Thank yeah. you, darling. Yeah, there was, there was lime in yours. Okay. What the fuck are those trousers? Poor flower. <laughs> <laughs> Poor flower, that means they're terrible. Are they the silvery grey ones? 
What a slower. Good. Um, but no, you did some great stuff. Anyway, okay, loved the outfit. I thought I loved her hair up. It was a bit of a departure, like the weird shoes in her hair. Being... I remember being pleased with that at the time, thinking, oh, good, she's not going to look like Bonnie Langford all the time. That's yeah. why I was pleased, because she yeah. didn't have all her hair, but, yeah. I think she can bounce less with, with her hair up. Like, she kind of really swings at everything when she's got her hair out. Um, and I liked, or oh, I didn't like, I was aware of the Inquisitor's doily. Like, it was a real full-on <laughs> woman's dresser doily, wasn't it? It was bizarre. Like, it actually had, like, the broderie on glaze on the sides. Like, they have 100% just adapted a doily. I almost think it was, like, a fetish outfit, though. Because <laughs> if that had been in black, that would totally have been fetish. But just because it was in white, suddenly it's pure and stuff. But it's almost like a fetish outfit, don't you think? It's almost no. rubber fetish. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> awful. It totally is. I think she was off at the side doing stuff. <laughs> I can't <laughs> boredom of watching the Inquisitor you just create some kind of dominatrix sideline for her because otherwise she's too fucking dull for words come on bring it back bring it back bring it back um so <laughs> Long glitzes little little blouse. Loved it. <laughs> he had a lovely blouse on, a lot of print going on. Blouson. <laughs> Very good. Um I like how the keeper of the matrix has a little hook for his key on the front of his outfit. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. let's have it there, that's safe. No, I know. Put it on a big hook it. so everyone and can so as soon as as soon as someone attacks you, when she realizes you're obviously going to try and trip her over again, then she can just yank it off you immediately. Yeah, it's a good call. You know, when we had those moves that people did, companions did, we should have had the key for the matrix just sticking oh. his foot out. Again. Uh, honestly, can we bring that back? Honestly, I love the, the Shiraz for, for, for companion. Because, like, it became useful in everyday scenarios in a way you never thought it would Honestly, be. in June, we'll play that live in, in Christchurch. Yes? I can't wait. Cannot wait. Good. <coughs> so, oh my God. Right. So, are we still undressed for success? Or are we done? No. Yes. <laughs> Don't no. Yeah. Oh, I quite like the Valyard's outfit. That's quite sexy. It's quite yeah, cool. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, no, When I'm it's blowing that. in the wind, it's quite good. And it's just nice to see the Master again, because I love him. Um, I think there's no one else. We can't talk about anyone else. No, done. The end. <laughs> see ya! <laughs> so, okay. So the Master reveals that the Valyard is somewhere between the Doctor's twelfth and final incarnation... He's an amalgam of the evil side of the Doctor. So, so how do you feel about this? You're just like saying no. Yes. No, no, it didn't happen. No, <laughs> it's not true. Like, I'm not going to get behind the fucking war Doctor. I'm not getting behind this shit. So the 12th and 13th Doctor, right? Mm. So who are they in reality now? Is the 12th Capaldi? I think it is. And the 13th Whitaker. I think I've suddenly got some clarity. So, yeah. somewhere between yeah, Capaldi right. and Whitaker is the Valyard. So, 
I don't understand yeah. what that means. So how can you be somewhere in between the two? Um, but Ryan's still engaged at this point. He's like, so how do modern Doctor Who fans deal with this? And I was like, okay, on the whole, we don't. We just pretend yeah. it didn't happen because it's utter bollocks because it's the trial of a Time Lord and it's the ultimate phone that's shit. But you will have some Doctor Who fans who insanely try to make it make sense somehow and say, say yeah. oh, maybe they'll be the Valyard. Oh, what about the Valyard? And yeah. then it's like, no, if you're that person, apologies. <laughs> but stop it. <laughs> but, but I... I kind of, to a degree... Like, this bit I fucking hate, but, like, the law that was set out by Doctor Who when, like, you you got 12 regenerations, so therefore 13 incarnations, that, to me, that was set in stone. We knew that shit. That was important. Yeah. And the fact that that's just gone by the wayside without any kind of explanation has really pissed me off. Or maybe there was an explanation. Maybe I was went to the, get a coffee at that time. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe you were playing. Maybe you were playing Farmville at that point. Or <laughs> Designville, thank you very much. <laughs> <Designville. laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I, that, that but that's the point though. Is if you did miss it because you were playing a computer game at the same time, that's not enough of a storyline, is it? If no. it was thrown away in dialogue. Yeah, no, the, and especially Pip and Jane's dialogue where you're actually deliberately trying not to listen to it because your brain might turn to mush as a fucking result of it. They go into the Matrix and... Perry's the queen. They're... I'm pleased. <laughs> That's what the Inquisitor actually said. I'm pleased. <laughs> or like I'm some pleased. kind of Yorkshire housewife. Oh, I am pleased. Oh, I'm pleased. <laughs> oh, it's lovely, Stick. this time. <laughs> Stick kettle on. <laughs> That was clever of the Valyard, exploiting the affection the Doctor had for her. But then, of course, the Valyard would know precisely how the Doctor felt. Then she lives. She's a queen, set up on high by that warmongering folia Carnos. I'm pleased. So they're into the Gladstone Pottery Museum. There's no sign of any of the potters. And... I just thought this was so cheap and unimaginative and just wrong. Now, I know Robert Holmes decided this should be a sort of a Jack the Ripper script set in London. And he goes on this whole weird Jack the Ripper thing. Maybe he was really ill at the time. I don't know. But but deciding... I know he kind of loves Victorian London, Robert Holmes. He wrote Talons, didn't he? Of course. Um, so I think he was just trying to go back to something like that for a sort mm. of gothic feel. But in the hands of Eric Sayward and Pip and Jane Baker, it just becomes just... Why would you choose this to be your... You've got any possibility in the Matrix and you choose to set it at this weird cobblestoned area and you put up, as you say, the fantasy factory sign, which isn't a fantasy factory. It's just like a set of light bulbs. And you have things like props, like a barrel with hands in it or later a beach with hands in it. It's the same... That was the only the... effect that they did. It was like, oh, so what happens in the Matrix? Hands come out everywhere. Wherever you go, hands everywhere. Like it just made no sense that that was the that was the thing that happened in the Matrix. The the paucity of imagination on display. Mm. It's just even like so before the end of episode th thirteen, like the Glitz has to save the Doctor from the barrel, but then he doesn't really, and the Doctor gets out by himself. Yeah. And then he says, "Oh, get me some water from the barrel, Glitz," even though he's just been attacked there. What yeah. was that? No, yeah, makes no it's sense. Just, but all. then. Glitz turns up late again at the start of episode 14 to get the Doctor out of the sand. And it's the same setup of mm. the hands and Glitz coming to say, but why? Why repeat something? 
You've got any possibility, any they had given possible up. thing. So openly, like they'd had deliberately, I don't care anymore, must have been the mantra of everyone on that production. Like they just didn't give a shit. There was just no effort put into it. It was just lazy everything. And I think also the thing that wound me up is that whole, it, it feels very much 80s sci-fi. Because I feel like in 80s sci-fi, there was always, like, if you were in some kind of alternate universe or something, you'd be somewhere kind of normalish, and then suddenly you'd be on a beach. Like, that shit happened all the time. It was very hitchhikers-y. It was very, like, a Red Dwarf did it loads of times. It was yes, like, true. it was a thing that was done uh, yeah. all the time then. And there was always things coming out of fucking sand as well. And it just felt, like, so copied and so don't care-ish. It was just, oh, that's what we do in the 80s. We just, you know, instantly we're in the sand. Oh, okay, isn't this interesting? We've changed all our realities now. Like, it just, that was a, an 80s mechanic that just kind of felt really laboured and uncomfortable. Obviously, hitchhikers, they do that slightly better. But, yeah, it was painful. And all that Dickensian bollocks and all that stuff about bureaucracy. I'm already bored of this programme. I'm already bored of the courtroom. And now you're going to introduce bureaucracy as a plot point about form filling and processing. And it's like, are you actually trying to make me turn this off? Yeah. Are you actually trying to make me hate my favourite TV show? Because you're succeeding. Yeah. And then again, like that was the only thing that made me think maybe this was a Robert Holmes script because he, he did get credited for, for that episode because he does have a bit of a thing. Oh, I don't know, maybe it's a different... Yeah, he does. No, he does, you're right. But yeah, yeah he, he wrote the sun all gets really yeah. angry about like the bureaucracy and the way of the world's become kind of thing and I, I guess again that to me felt like quite an 80s sci-fi mechanic I feel like that was a thing that's been done a lot in fantasy shows it was whenever you go like to hell or someone like there's always someone behind a, a desk and they're kind of getting your yes. forms and shit it just feels like that again but without care without mm-hmm. without any kind mm-hmm. of end to it where you actually might think oh well we've got past that now and now here's the plot starting um yeah no it was just labored hell yeah and that's very Holmesian this idea I thought that was really obviously Robert Holmes I thought that's the moment of him yeah as you're saying that thing about signing away his remaining regenerations yeah bureaucratically yeah that's very Holmes but but honestly, I just remember sitting there thinking, why is Onslow from keeping up appearances there and, and why do we care? Would I have known him from that then or would he not start? Actually, no, I'm, I'm thinking not actually. Maybe that was later, but I remember he was someone from Coronation Street. I think, I think yeah, he, we definitely knew him to be someone yeah. who was a cheesy actor at that point. Yeah, and it's just like, no. I mean, he wasn't the worst actor in it. No, like, it's just but... he was just a pointless character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there no way to expedite the procedure? Expedite? I am a senior clerk, sir. To me, the procedure is sacrosanct. My work is a celebration of all that is perfect. Why speed perfection? Because your employer wants me dead. You seem to have found the one little weakness in our procedure, sir. Uh, Would you sign this? A consent form, sir. The corridors in this factory are very long and dark. Should you unexpectedly die, our blessed proprietor, Mr. J.J. Chambers, insists he inherits your remaining lives. And this is when I really started to muse, like, when, when actors get jobs and then they read a script that's written by Pip and Jane Baker, like, 
What do you do with that? Like, what do you... Do they manifest hatred inside of them? Do, are they like, how the fuck have I got to turn this into something plausible? Like, do they have any right to talk to them? Like, would they be there on set? Like, I don't know how that works, but I just... In my head, every single actor hates Pip and Jane Baker with such a passion because <laughs> it makes their job so hard to be able to say anything with any kind of truth behind it, with any kind authenticity. of care. Yeah. 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 Hate them. Hate but them. then it's kind of like, can anyone transcend this script? If they were really good actors, could they transcend the script? I don't think they could. Because, like Louise Jameson always says, lovely Lou, lovely Lou, that um, the script... You actually are, can hear it just at the corner of your ear now. She's yeah. just, just whispering it to you now. <laughs> yeah. Um, that the scripts are king and that's the that's how it's, you know, that's what you need in order to act. But then there are other people who you think, well, actually, no, it's just about people being brilliant at acting. But I think it, I think she's right. I think it is about the scripts. You can't think... make something out of nothing. But yeah. the thing is, if it was Tom Baker, he would just refuse to say the lines. He'd be like, nah, this is gobshite. I'm going to say it my way. And I, I believe he would have had them fired very quickly. <laughs> because imagine trying to get anything out of Tom Baker with that shit. Like, he just, he wouldn't stand for it. It would just have either... Yeah, one of them would have left as a result of Pip and Jane and him working together. I, I don't know how much about Colin Baker during the filming of this, but this series, he must have known it was shit. He must have known it was really problematic. But I just think he loved all this declaiming in the courtroom because it's very him. And I think that was something he actually loved. And that was a problem. He should have said, no, this is boring. As the lead actor, he should have said, this is not good enough. It really isn't. It's boring as hell. Yeah, it shouldn't have been about the joy of him being able to just say stupid words loudly. It should have been about caring about the viewer, yeah. And I think it's the perfect storm of him actually enjoying the the idiocy and over-the-top largesse of the Pip and Jane Baker vocabulary. And that actually was a massive problem, that he actually enjoyed using all the stupid words. Yeah, I think so. I know there's things in this that I have no question that most people watching didn't have a clue what they were being talked what was being talked about no like like the grand grand guignol which is a dramatic art form from france and and oh, then you know. and like sydney carton the tale of two cities lines that he was doing it's like not everyone would know that was tale of two cities no. i had no and idea I think- it probably you're right. It plays to Colin Baker's vanity because yes, it, to him it's, it it makes him come across as super intelligent and and that he's this person who knows all these things. And I think he probably enjoys saying that because I, I do believe that all actors have quite fragile egos and they just yeah. they all feel that they're not clever enough. And so there's a kind of if they're given something that allows them to sound and appear very clever, that's kind of appeals appeals to every part of their kind of insecurities really yeah so there was two moments in this program and this in this program i'm even distancing it by just calling it a program which is really me being really shady it's like you're kicking um, it across the floor what, yeah, this, what is this, this dirt on um, two moments where people had legs pointing up in the air dangling so <laughs> you had you had where mel was tripped over by the keeper and you see a little ankle boots fluttering in the wind and then later on you have the doctor's little little tootsies picking out of the sand and it's just comical it's not funny it's it's funny rather than it's meant to be tragic and serious yeah. but he's going oh wavy legs i say what the flimp 
Oh, anyway, and does yeah. he call it ankle armor at one point? Glitz tolls that his ankle armor. Is that what spats are? I never understand spats, but I think that's what's on top of his shoes. But I know no what one spats calls it are, ankle sweetie. Armor. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Xiao Young about fucking spats. <laughs> Ling Tai. Um, <laughs> so, so, annoying or not annoying, the Valyard disappearing and reappearing on the beach. I thought, <laughs> such, I thought that was such a cool, clever thing. So deep and clever. Really, really fun and clever. I really enjoyed it. Honestly. Um, oh, no, maybe there is an ankle armour. I've just Googled spats and ankle armour, but I'm, I don't know. If I, oh, my God, it comes you, up. You, oh, Six Doctor, ankle armour. Mm. Okay, no, I'm, I'm not going into this. I'll, I'll go there another day. <laughs> a long ever. time from now. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember when we used to do that? That, that um, those sort of like imagination stories. Um, there was Ooh, that cat a long you way. Talked from to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a long way from here. <laughs> yes, oh, I remember it. But I think you used to get into a state of kind of mad kind of like you know when you laughed so hard that your your brain actually didn't work anymore and I'd be like honestly where the fuck am I supposed to go and you'd be like ooh a long way and you just you couldn't get out of it because you knew how much you was winding me up and you just everything I asked you, that's all you'd say and you were just getting ooh, more and more insane in your head <laughs> yes I remember and that's happened four or five times during this podcast. Yeah. Without saying those words. Oh, Ryan's still engaged at this point because at this Ooh. point he asks, How is the Valyard not free? How does he need to be free when he's already exists? Yeah, and is like and in is, a position where he can actually prosecute the doctor yeah, and, and is seems corporeal. entirely free. Why does he need the extra lives? He's got a life. I don't understand. I think he wants well, another he didn't one. Understand. Yeah, he's he's just oh, planning. Yeah. He's a good planner. Something that really annoyed me as well, um, just one thing, not not all of it, was when the nerve gas comes at them on the beach, and the doctor's like, "No, this is real nerve gas." It's like, why? Yeah. And how do you know? <laughs> Everything else isn't, but now I know. Now I get it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Bollocks. No. Yeah. Don't know. Don't care. Until Sorry, I see the care. pustules coming up on your face because you've been killed by actual nerve gas. I won't accept that it's real, it's real nerve gas. And I want to see that. I want to see Glitz and the Doctor die horribly at this point. And what was the double cross about? Can you give me a bit of clarity there? Because I wasn't fully on it. So the Master is actually employing Glitz. And Glitz yeah. is, in, is therefore delivering the Doctor to the Master, I think. But how that any of that mechanics can be working when we're in the Matrix and nothing makes sense. Yeah. It's just more bollocks on top of bollocks it's it's mega bollocks it's just and so the double cross was that he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna deliver him to the master he was gonna deliver him to the valyard i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're you're caring too much then the doctor gets turned into a zombie in the catatonic state. <laughs> I must admit, when he had that face on, I was like, yeah, <laughs> that is the face that this story gives. It's just, I just want to just stare into space and never think again. <laughs> yeah. But I think, basically, Colin was like, what's my motivation? And he said, oh, 
The director said, don't worry about motivation, Cole. Just just pretend you're on the toilet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then what happens next? Oh, oh yeah, the master's plan to attack the Valyard when he gets into the Matrix. He's in the Matrix. He's got out of the TARDIS. And he's just going to fire a weapon at the Valyard. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what? Is this all just mean about the master being getting to a point where he can just fire? Is it the compassion or whatever it is? I mean, it's like, what was that? It. So he's yeah. going to fire a gun. What? It is quite impressive how basic the. the I mean, to be honest, that is pretty standard master. <laughs> Let's be honest. He never yeah. goes far past that. He'll do some really elaborate thing, and at the end, he'll say, "I'll just shoot it. Fucking shoot you. Be easier." <laughs> a second-rate adversary. Did you imagine I'd be lured by such a transparent ploy? <laughs> it's hard to work out a scale of fury for me in this episode, in this story, but I think that my height, my pinnacle of fury is coming yeah. up. It's when they go back to the courtroom, and I was like, oh good, we're going back to the courtroom. Mel goes back to the courtroom, and with the doctor. And Mel's and the and the Inquisitor says, because she's still fucking insane. She says, "Oh, Doctor, you owe the court an apology." I was like, I just write, "Fuck off" in my notes. <laughs> I'm so angry. She still thinks that the the mechanics of the court and all of that procedure still still works and makes sense in this scenario after everything yeah. that you've seen happen. Yeah, because she's watching the whole fucking thing. It's not like she's not aware. Yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah, the, the rule of the court is everything. Yeah, no, you're right. Mental. She is, she is the most insane person in the history of Doctor Who. Anyway, but then we discover she's not in the... They're not in the real trial room, actually. Oh, is that that um, one? Okay. Yes. God, you're still there. Oh, my God. But then... My, I've got insurrectionists in... running amok here. <laughs> The end. <laughs> when, <laughs> they're not. Only are they not in the real trial room. But when they're not in the real trial room, the real Inquisitor. Because I was thinking, oh, maybe we can forgive that Inquisitor for being entirely insane and requesting an apology. Because this is the real Inquisitor now with the real Mel. And Mel says this. This isn't okay. And the Inquisitor says, we can't interfere. Ah! <laughs> what? Are you for real? That's the point at which the keeper is going to trip her up again, but she manages to dodge him. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, and I, I thought it would be really funny if people leaving the Great Pottery Throwdown, because it's now set there, that they should leave on the cart with, with the with the chanting. <laughs> That's how they should leave now. That would be great. Yeah, it would be good. And that far, far better thing. I, did, I knew it was a quote, but when Mel runs up and says, oh, stop with the Sydney Carton thing, two things. One... I know the quote. I didn't know who Sidney Carton was. And I would imagine about 10 people in the audience at home would know who Sidney Carton was. Two... I don't know Tale of Two Cities at all. She runs up after he's declaimed this speech and can't hear it. She can't hear it. She doesn't hear him say it. And then she runs up and says, oh, stop with this act. It's like, you couldn't hear it. You were running on cobblestones. There's that no way you could to pick. Pip and Jane fucking Baker, blame them. Don't fucking blame Mel for that shit. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. 
is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Never mind the Sydney Carton heroics. You're not signing on as a martyr yet. Go away, Mel, go away. That trial was an illusion. And then we've got all the stuff about he knew it was a bogus trial and you spot mm. my plan. Colin Baker always says you spot my plan. Yeah. It's just like, and he doesn't Regardless. have a plan. Bollocks. And his and plan then, was he just wanted to see the Valiard. That's all it's ever been. Yeah. I just want to get there. I just want to see him. Just want to, you know, hold hands. If we needed more proof that this is just a runaround pantomime in Pip and Jane Baker's ridiculous heads, then we have the moment when the master gets out a treasure chest of the most plasticky gold I've ever seen in that the was history brilliant of and cheap looking, wasn't it? Mm, give me some of those pearls. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even like glistening. It was that brown gold that you get. That yeah, sort of it's brown, like, if you... do they have that? In, um, oh, they've, they've got like um, here at the, the log flume at, the ra- at Rainbow's End. They've got yeah. like behind like perspex they've got like this pirate treasure and it's just like that it's, it's the gold you'd buy at pound stretcher yeah honestly um so oh yeah and then it's the next moment to make me hate hate the sixth doctor even more than i already hate him suddenly regardless of everything else that's going on around him he starts praising the engineering that just happens to be there on location Oh, the cogs and the pistons, it's wonderful. Oh, isn't it amazing? And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Why is this now happening? What is that? This is the last episode of Trial for Time Lord. Why are you talking about the dull engineering in this factory that's clearly just being talked about because you're on location and it has nothing yeah. to do with the plot? Uh, honestly, I, like... I thought to myself, like, this is two episodes. This is two episodes. I know I'm not going to like them, but I do want to get the synopsis right and I do want to get this right. I don't. I've completely blanked that bit out. <laughs> I was obviously somewhere else in my mind. Like there was no way that my head was going to let me be engaged with that shit. Clearly. And then we get to this utterly crap bit, which is when Mel sees, recognizes that it's a mega a megabyte modem, and mm. and then she says, "But what does it do?" And it's like this. What Ryan was still engaged. She says. How does he? How does he keep engaged? By the way, I don't know. But, <laughs> but says, how does he Mel must know? Really love you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How does Mel know it's a megabyte modem, but not know what it but does? But not know what it does. I was like, <laughs> exactly. I this book out of me. I was like, oh, at least Mel's onto it. Oh no. <laughs> but then the doctor does know, just by shitty dialogue. Oh, it's a particle disseminator. Oh, and that must be linked to the the court the screen in the courtroom. Yeah. How does he know that? Yeah. So we're in the Matrix, this world of make-believe. So you now you're assuming that the megabyte modem is real, just like you knew the nerve gas was real. So let's say the megabyte modem is real and make the massive, ridiculous leap to believe that somehow it's connected to this space station where because the Because it has a on. list with names on it, with them crossed out, you fool. Ofs, that, that's the link right there. So that was the Valyard's list because it's the Doctor's handwriting. Okay. Yeah. Of the High Council members that he's going to kill. So it's but obvious. Why obvious. Doesn't the Val- why doesn't the Valiard just kill those people on the space station? Just in their food or something. Or just shoot them with a gun. That was the Master's plan. It's good enough for me. It's just all piffle. And none of it links up. Nothing makes sense. It's just... And then 
Suddenly, we have a whole new subplot that happens off screen. A whole new subplot, which you've probably forgotten because it was so superfluous. You're probably designing something in Designville, sweetie. No, the, the, the <laughs> fucking insurrectionists running amok. I oh, knew yes, all about yes, that. Yes, tell me, <laughs> tell me about this. Sorry, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, you What's the actual? Some stuff so now... was happening on Gallifrey with the people. They were not happy and they did a thing. And so that was the thing, you see? So this is an opportunity for a new plot twist, which is that the Master's going to offer order to Gallifrey because it's in chaos because of the insurrectionists. Oh, yes. And that was like, his plan. He he planned this all along, you fools. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Are these just words and sentences? Yeah. With there's no purpose. And that was that was the line I really felt bad for James Bree with. I was just like, you can't say this with any kind of conviction. You can only say this like a throwaway line in a pantomime because that's all it fucking is. It was yeah. It was awful. <laughs> But then we have the best Pip and Jane Baker line of all time. Well, it's strong competition. But there's nothing you can do to prevent the catharsis of spurious morality. Oh, yes. I did even... That was the Valyard, wasn't it? Or was that the Doctor talking to the Valyard? I I think it was the Valyard. What does that mean? Oh, absolutely. I could sit for a week. As soon as I heard the word catharsis, I knew it was just Pip and Jane shit. I was just like, yeah, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Just Why would you want to prevent the catharsis of spurious morality? And what is spurious morality? It's just like, it's just words that someone who doesn't understand the language has picked out of a thesaurus and decided that's a sentence. It's just, it's just utter piffle. Yeah, it is. But don't worry, all the time... Good old Linda, she just keeps swivelling. <laughs> just, like, just like, swivel! Swivel! She's, she's happy in her chair, isn't she? She's probably never sat in a work chair, if you think about no. it. No! She's done far too much around a kitchen table and just not enough in swivel chairs. It's true. Yeah, in a white bondage outfit. <laughs> but Ryan said at this point, there's been a lot of sitting down in this story. <laughs> People are sitting down all the time, and it's just like you honestly. Anyway, the Gladstone Pottery Museum blows up. Good, yeah. Um, because they've triggered a ray phase shift, as you said. None of the High Council or the Inquisitor leaves the room, despite massive warnings. I love that. And Mel doesn't (laughs) even leave the room, (laughs) slightly moving to the side, and they the screen doesn't kill them. A dodgy plasma screen doesn't kill them. Okay. Um, And then suddenly the Inquisitor changes personality completely. (laughs) All charges are dismissed. (laughs) Okay then. Okay, good. (laughs) Good. Are you a normal person now? No, you're not. Because that's insane. I just wrote down, really? (laughs) Yeah. Really? (sighs) Now. Let me see, where were we? Uh, I was about to be sentenced, I believe. All charges against you are dismissed, Doctor. A new High Council will need to be elected. Can I persuade you to stand for Lord President again? And then suddenly there's some really weird music in the courtroom as the Doctor and Mel skip towards the TARDIS. Really weird music, which I'll play in, because it's so weird. Ryan's still asking questions at this point. Bless him. He was engaged. It was quite late at this point, at least 11 o'clock. And they're talking about carrot juice. And 
Ryan says, why is Mel body shaming the Doctor? Yeah. <laughs> she question. does that from day one. Like that is. Yeah, thing. that's just her thing. It's her bag. And at the end of the story, the keeper of the Matrix turns around. <gasps> and it's the Valyard! Oh my god! Oh, great. Good. <laughs> Don't care one fucking bit. <laughs> <laughs> to be picked up in the later story. No. 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 <laughs> Thank Never. God, though. Imagine if they tried to pick up the Valyard in the later story. I'd be like, nope, I'm out. Like, that's it. <laughs> exactly. I'm that is this just shit. like, you've gone a step too far now. So. You've had the trial of a time lord. It's been an unmitigated success, or put in another word. Other Did than anyone success. like it? Like, has there was there ever any positive reactions to it? Well, honestly, the reevaluation of season twenty three, as I think it is, on online when this set was released on the Blu Ray collection, it was like, oh, it's really good. And I was like, no, it's not. Sorry, it's not. There's nothing you can say. How? I mean, d- how could someone? The only thing I like from this series is the start of The Mysterious Planet. The first episode is lovely. And that's because the Doctor and Perry are finally getting on. And they're arm in arm walking through the woods and it's lovely. And it's just like, this is how they should have always been. And the Doctor's being nice. And then it all just gets blown up into shit. And then Bonnie Langford arrives. And then you've got the Valyard. And it's just like, no, this is just all just so wrong. But what do you do to solve the problem? When you sack Colin Baker, that's number one. That's what they decide to do. But then, who do you employ to write the first story of The Seventh Doctor? Who, which writers come to mind as the people you need to make this work? Who would you choose? <laughs> who would you choose? Write <laughs> The Seventh Doctor opening story. Oh, the fucking Tetraps, yes. Oh, my God. Oh. I mean, it's unforgivable, unforgivable production from J&T. Like, see, there should be more, like, general Doctor Who hatred for Pip and Jane Baker. Like, there should have been, like, fatwas, kind of. (laughs) 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 This is the thing. I wonder, why. why did I cancel Doctor Who monthly at this point? And why did I hate Doctor Who? Why did I get so angry about it? Why did I even write a letter into Points of View after Time and the Rani episode one? Which I did. Anne Robinson didn't read it out. Bitch. She anyway, actually is a bitch. But it's because, if you look at it in the cold light of day, Pip and Jane Baker were asked to write 12 episodes in a row of Doctor Who. They wrote the... F- no, is it 12? No, 10. 10. It's still enough. They wrote all of Terror of the Vervoids. I don't know whether they wrote... I think they wrote the one of Ultimate Foe, maybe the first one. But anyway. And then you've got Time and the Rani. They wrote... All of that was all together. It's one big... Shit caught in a cistern. You know, that, what is that? A logjam of utter piffle turd. I can't stress this strongly enough. Yeah. If you like no. this stuff, I good on you. I remember when I was how... younger, I used to like their names. I thought, oh, they sound lovely. Pip and Jane. I'd love to, I'd love to hear some of the Pip and Jane's work. And now I'm like, ah, oh, how fucking dare they? What did I call them? As soon as I realised, I think it was when it oh, was like, oh, Christ, it's Pip and Jane, the fucking turd birds. <laughs> was that the first thing I said when the I, turd I saw birds. those names come up? Oh, oh, hate them, hate them. I mean, Doctor Who has lost its way at this point. Totally. And I never understood how the Trial of the Time Lord was so late to the party, so wrong on so many levels, when they had had been cancelled. Doctor Who had been cancelled in season 22. So they came back with this, which was meant to solve everything, and this dull courtroom setting. The, the casting of Bonnie Langford, the idea of making the Doctor 
realising at the start that the Doctor should be nicer and should have a good relationship with Perry, but then shitting that all to fuck with, like, Perry getting murdered and... Oh, I just I just don't know anymore. I just... I, I can't understand. I know I think they got the green light for season 23 quite late and maybe that's why it was still crap, but there was no intent to get new writers on board or to do anything mm. new. Like, I, all I can equate it to is, like... At work, sometimes, like, I'll buy media for a certain category. Say cladding. Just <laughs> just theoretically. Not theoretically at all. We'll buy media for cladding. And then, like, a week before this media is due, and they're like, fuck, what are we going to put? Shit, what are we going to say about cladding? I have no fucking idea. I've got nothing to say about cladding. Oh, my God, take some pictures. Where, which, who can we take pictures of? Where can we take pictures of cladding? We don't have any pictures of cladding. We have nothing to say about cladding. But then we throw some shit together, and a week later, it's in the magazine. And that is what we fucking do when we have not planned what we're supposed to be fucking doing for the season. And that is, yeah, it's... Pip and Jane Baker was a beautiful, a beautiful insight into your industry. <laughs> <laughs> I get really stressed about cladding. It could be great though. Like you can get really beautiful cladding. You can get really interesting techniques. We don't have access to any imagery of any of it, so we just have to say the same old shit every time. But anyway, yeah. um, but that's what this yeah. is. It's the same old shit. It is all the tropes that you can think of, and you rightly called it from different sci-fi of the period as well. Oh, we'll be on a beach. Oh, it'll be quicksand. Oh, that they can reappear and disappear. Oh, we'll put a bit of technology in megabyte modem. Yeah, you know, have a bit of that false admin stuff, which we're all annoyed about. Let's yeah. call it the P forty five or whatever. Yeah, yeah, all that let's, stuff. Let's make me it off. vaguely Douglas Adams. Yeah, no, and it's just derivative tripe, and to think this would work in that time slot after the Roland Rat show. I mean, it makes the Roland Rat show look like high art. Yeah. Oh, come on, Brian. We haven't got all day. Get a move. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I've ever done. It is a far, far, Yeah, far... all right. Never mind all that. We're running late. Get up here. Come I on. only took the part so I could do this speech. Well, I've cut it. It's boring old Dickens. It's a load of old rubbish. Get up here. Come on. <laughs> right, Brian. Now, all you do is kneel down and put your head in the hole. OK? Yeah. And then we fade out. If yeah. I must. Yeah. Like this? Yeah, that's it, Brian. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so this is my big speech. So die all enemies of the revolutione. Yay! The end. <laughs> I, I, I quite fancy watching that you mentioned it. I'm like, I could definitely do half hour of Ron Rat if I didn't have to watch this shit after it. Yeah. Hey. Is that what he's doing? Hey. I don't know. That was Andy's Roland Rat impression. Hey. It was really good. <laughs> I <laughs> know, oh, no, I'm gonna in my future is finding Roland Rat and playing it in now. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, Doctor Who had completely lost its way, and there's this revisionist agenda now to say, oh, yeah, Colin Baker wasn't so bad. Well, I think this it was a bad performance because it was bad writing and he rose to the writing in the wrong way. Yes, Colin Baker's brilliant in Big Finish, and yes, he's a good actor in other things, but. It's problematic here. Bonnie Langford is never going to be good in Doctor Who. It's just a derivative 
dimensionless companion. She, yeah, she wasn't given a chance to be good. She was given scripts to make her, to to use her cheesiness. Like they they wanted her to be what we knew her from in all the variety type shows. Like that was what she was made to be. That's why she was employed. So as much as now for Big Finish, she's allowed to move away from that. She's allowed to have a character that has yeah. some depth to it. She's allowed to be someone who can act. But for this, all of her script was to make her silly and quirky and ditzy and cute. And it was awful. And it just, it's not what we needed from her. And it wasn't fair on her, but it fucking wasn't fair on us either. <laughs> like, really <laughs> worse. So... I expected this episode to be like an hour long. <laughs> we managed to get to an hour and a half somehow. Yeah, no, Alex, I knew we'd make it. <laughs> tell me, in summary, the ultimate foe. Um, it is interesting that you explained it as something that was just like a hodgepodge of different writers just kind of making shit happen because that's what it feels like. It just feels <laughs> yeah. like people just said, All right, we've got half an hour to fill. What cladding shall we use? Like, that really was the way that they did it. It was really um, without purpose. No one cared how good or bad it was. They just needed to fill a half hour um, or 23 minutes or whatever. And, yeah, it, it shows. There was just no love was given, and therefore you can't get any love from it. So, yeah, it was awful. Yeah. I think I've just got one phrase to say, and that is, you can't prevent the catharsis of spurious morality. Nice. And I think that sums yeah. up my feeling. Yeah, and I, think I we feel like I understand fully how <laughs> you feel now. <laughs> and I think we better stop soon before we trigger a ray phase shift. <laughs> Good. I think we all. Uh, so, how many points, how many TARDISes out of ten, please? Okay, I will go... I'm going to give Mel's outfit one. Okay, so I'm going to give this zero out of ten TARDISes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So we're only giving points to Mel's outfit. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> and she really su suits an updo. I like an updo on Mel. Updo. <laughs> <laughs> That's from season four of Drag Race, if you didn't know. Right. I That's, didn't know. I, I have to get off and watch season five urgently. Like, you this do. is it's my really evening. important. God, Alaska's amazing in it. Oh, I love Alaska so much. Anyway, so... That was The Ultimate Foe. You have been our listeners. Well done, if you got this far. <laughs> yeah, but like, think... just, this is one of those episodes where you really don't need to watch the Doctor Who episode first. Just listen to us instead. Please, God, don't watch the episode. It just wasn't worth your time if you did. We apologise if you did. We do apologise. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be for us to apologise. It was them. They need to apologise forever, those people. <laughs> okay, so, we need to fire up the randomizer, Alex. Oh, fuck. Good. Oh, it can't be any worse. That's the one great thing. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, I am. Okay, Spearhead. We needed to do that one again. Spearhead from Space? Mm-hmm. We should do Spearhead from Space. Yeah, we should. Especially seeing as episode one and two aren't don't exist of the podcast anymore because I deleted well, I didn't delete exactly. them. I, I, I hid them. <laughs> yeah, so no, bad. I think that's that's fair. I'll Spearhead from space. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fuck yeah. From space. That's my exciting. favorite favorite ever ever ever. Well, at least you like it. At least you have good things to say. I will, but I find I get too gushy. But yes, I will. I'm very excited about that one. Excellent. Cool. Good stuff. So from the ultimate poo, 
Yes. To spearhead. It's like upswing in quality. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening to us. You lovely, lovely people. We love that you listen. And please do connect with us on our socials at Pod. And also just just know that we love you. We do. Yeah. And that person who said nice things about us. Lovely. I think they were called Neil. Thank you, Neil. Yes. Thank you, Neil. We love you. (laughs) When I send you these messages, it really does make you happy, doesn't it? When I send them. Fuck yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Someone said a thing! Someone liked the shit that we talked! So please do send messages because it gives Alex pure, unadulterated joy. Yeah. I have (laughs) lots of lots of social anxiety and general fear about being liked. So if you could just bolster my fears, that would be great. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Until the next episode, I have been Andy. And I'm always Alex. Goodbye. See ya. (laughs) You hate doing goodbyes, don't you? You I really do. (laughs) The end! We're done. We're done. Thanks, fun. You've been listening to World Enough and Time. If you enjoyed the episode, I know that Andy and Alex would love to hear from you on Twitter. Better still, why not leave them a review on Apple Podcasts so that other classic Doctor Who fans can find them. The hair was a little thirsty. I tried to tease it, but I just pissed it off. (laughs) Hello, lovelies. We are about to go on a summer break. Well, in fact, Alex is already somewhere in the South Pacific sunning herself. Um, I will be going to Norway soon. And then New Zealand, ultimately, in June, where I'll be reunited with Alex and we'll record lots more episodes. Until then, have a great summer, and you'll hear from us again soon.